0: Throughout this podcast, there'll be swearing and adult themes that some people may find offensive. Hello and welcome to a special episode of It's Not You, It's Them, But It Might Be You with me, la la la, let me explain. Normally on a Wednesday we would be doing my Agony Aunt episode, but we've changed the plan this week in light of the Dispatches documentary on Channel 4 that came out on Saturday night called Russell Brand, Hidden in Plain Sight. The documentary, showed the results of a four-year joint investigation between The Times, The Sunday Times and Channel 4. The documentary showed the accounts of four separate women, one who had been 16 years old at the time of the alleged offences. Russell Brand was alleged to be 30 years old at the time. The women in the report are all unconnected and they all claim that Russell Brand harmed them in different ways. The reports include descriptions of rape, and they also showed an apology text from Russell Brand's verified phone number to his accuser, and that same accuser went to a rape crisis centre the same day. Descriptions were also given of rape via condom removal, oral rape, grooming and coercive control of a child under 18, and the sexual assault of her mother, whom he is accused of kissing without consent indecent exposure in his workplaces with runners and just a litany of allegations of harmful behavior. Russell Brand flatly denies these claims. He says that he is innocent and this episode actually is not going to focus directly on him. I was actually horrified by some of the stuff that actually we can say is evidence. We can't say the rest of the stuff is evidence. It is people's reports and allegations. But what we did see was evidence of stuff that we'd all seen and and many of us had laughed along with. Stand-up routines that included descriptions of making women gag on your penis until their mascara ran you know, descriptive of a man who disrespects and disregards women in bed. But at the time, I think I thought that he was kind of taking the piss out of those kind of men. I actually don't know what I was thinking, to be honest, but I found him funny and weirdly sexy. I saw him live once and laughed all the way through, even at the jokes that we now look back on on that show as being deeply misogynistic. But it shows what the culture was like at that time. And actually, it's Really recent times. But as I say, what I want to talk about now is the reaction of people. The reaction of people in comments under different news reports of it. And I want to talk about why those comments are are, are so off the mark when we're talking about allegations of rape and sexual assault, but also how triggering they are and how difficult they are for survivors and victims to hear. And actually how much this kind of narrative that's coming from multiple members of the public and celebrities it is actually very damaging as a whole for us going forward. Because if you are someone who was raped yesterday and you see how people behave when somebody in the media is accused of rape, it doesn't fill you with confidence that you're going to get much trust or support or backing or or anything if you do report it. So that's what we're dealing with. But you can watch the whole thing on Channel 4, and if you haven't, I think you should. You can also read the full report in the Times. And before I move on to talking about the reactions that people have had to this, I think you should just watch or listen to, sorry, Russell's video that he released ahead of the reports coming out. Hello there, you awakening wonders. Now, this isn't the usual type of video we make on this channel where we critique, attack, and undermine the news in all its corruption. Because in this story, I am the news. I've received two extremely disturbing letters, or a letter and an email one from a mainstream media TV company, one from a newspaper listing a litany of extremely egregious and aggressive attacks, as well as some pretty stupid stuff like uh, my community festival should be stopped, that I shouldn't be able, to attack mainstream media narratives on this channel. But amidst this litany of astonishing, rather baroque attacks are some very serious allegations that I absolutely refute. The comments on the video before the facts were out were terrifying. Minds made up before seeing the evidence. is a hero to many. And you know what? Actually, it's understandable because he has done some brilliant stuff. Russell Brand has helped millions of addicts. He's helped so many people with their recovery. I can understand why he is a hero to many. I did a thread on my Instagram stories about it all, starting from Saturday afternoon before the documentary came out, and I have received some very wild messages and they reflected some of the madness that I have seen other people spouting on social media about how people just instantly believe anyone apart from people who are making allegations about rape and sexual violence. So I wanted to talk about this. I don't want this to be a podcast which is directly looking at the Russell Brand allegations. That's not what this is about. This is about looking at the narrative and the rhetoric on social media that is extremely harmful to victims and survivors. These loud idiots who know absolutely nothing about about trauma behaviour, loudly shouting their opinions on what victims would really do in these kind of situations, or justifying alleged abusers' behaviour as past silly mistakes, or believing this idea that it's all come from the matrix. And it is so dangerous to anybody who is currently a victim or survivor or who may unfortunately become one in the future. So again, to reiterate, I am treating the following topics not in direct response to the allegations, but more generally, because this affects us all much too commonly. So let's look at some of the messages that we've seen in comments or that I've received in DMs so that I can use them to break down some myths about rape and sexual assault. Sorry, but he was a junkie. He's been very open and honest about his chaotic behaviour back then, but he's completely turned his life around since then and has helped millions of others. He shouldn't be punished for his past. Addiction doesn't make you commit sex offences. Most addicts are not sex offenders. Many sex offenders are addicts though. So there is a link. Of course, addiction is incredibly complex and there are links between sex offending and addiction, but addiction does not directly make you commit sex offences and nor does it provide a justification. But using that as a defence, even if addiction was behind what caused somebody to rape, murder, pillage, whatever... To another person, addiction does not justify or excuse it. So that is not a defense. If somebody rapes your daughter, are we going to go, you know what? It was a long time ago. We've only just caught him, but he was off his nut on crack at the time. Let's, let, let's forgive him. It doesn't work like that. Now, of course, in some minor incidents, you know, if you are absolutely off your face, You may well accidentally grope, or maybe not even accidentally, and again, doesn't excuse it, but you could understand maybe some type of offending that might be caused by being very, very off your face. But sexually predatory behavior, grooming, manipulation, coercion, all of those things are not caused by addiction. And you can see how in terms of something like sex addiction, which actually sex addiction is not even thoroughly, fully recognized. It's not in the DSM, which is the manual that describes mental health disorders. There are a lot of professionals who are erring on the side of caution about recognizing sex addiction as a thing. Now, anyone who does feel like they are addicted to sex will be holding their hands up and saying, what the fuck, like you cannot deny the power that this addiction has over me. But again, sex addiction is often used as a justification. It's often used as a way of, I can get away with this behavior because it was, I, I was it was beyond my control. I was an addict. It's not an excuse. It is not a justification. And actually, people still must be held accountable for things they did many years ago. There are many instances of crimes being committed, and investigators taking a really long time to be able to find the perpetrator of that crime. We shouldn't be saying it's been a long time, he's had a family since then, he's worked in the church since then, he's now working as a police officer, he's a really good person. Let's ignore the rapes and murders from the 80s. Doesn't work like that. Victims and their families are still entitled to justice, and people should still be held accountable. If you've changed so much, much since then and become such a different person, then I would have expected you to be accountable and be remorseful and to hold your hands up. If you've had such a change in personality, then you would come forward and you'd say, you know what, I fucked up back then. I did some terrible things and I want to make amends. And if you don't, then we can't say, oh, you've changed, you're doing better. No, you still need to be held accountable for crimes you committed back in whenever. I dated him briefly and I can tell you that he was absolutely wonderful and everything was consensual. Don't listen to these money-hungry women. Ted Bundy had a lot of girlfriends and a lot of people in his life who he didn't murder. He didn't murder everybody he came across. That doesn't mean that he didn't murder anyone. It's come out in the news recently about Danny Masterson, who has been convicted of rape and sentenced to 30 years. After he was convicted, in order to try to get him a lesser sentence, his friends, Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis, wrote a character statement after the conviction to try to get him a lesser sentence. Character references mean nothing. Two things can be true at the same time. Good people can do bad things and bad people can do good things. Just because somebody didn't rape you doesn't mean that they can't rape others. There are rapists who have had mountains and mountains of consensual sex. There are rapists who have had consensual sex with the same people that they have raped. Just because every encounter that you have was not abusive or violent or a sexual assault does not mean that that never happened in your life. Rapists aren't monsters. They're humans. They are humans who sit next to us on the bus, who sit with us at work. They are humans who we sit around our Christmas dinner table with. They are humans who sometimes treat other people really, really well. That does not mean it is impossible for them to also rape other humans. And to the point where people have been saying, don't listen to these money-hungry women, don't listen to these women who are coming out making allegations about famous celebrity men. They're just after the fame and the money. What money are they getting? What money comes out of doing something like this? What is there to gain for any woman making allegations of, of rape against anyone? Name one woman who has done well from accusing someone. Name one victim who has accused a celebrity male, a footballer, a movie star or anyone who hasn't been dragged through the mud in comments, who hasn't had a billion people saying she's making this up for the money. She's making this up for the fame. But again, name one rich or famous woman who has become rich or famous as a result of making allegations. I'll wait. Not being funny. But why would a mum let a 16-year-old date a 30-year-old? If anybody's to blame, it's her. Also, 16 is over the age of consent. 16-year-olds know what they're doing. There is so much to unpack here. Abuse is never anybody's fault apart from the abuser. And whilst things can increase vulnerability to abuse, the blame and shame will always lay squarely with the abuser. The age of consent is 16 but anyone under the age of 18 is a child in the eyes of the law. When I was a social worker, if you were to come to me when you were 17 and a half, I still have to treat you as a child because you are a child in the eyes of the law. Like, I feel like a lot of people seem to forget what it's like to be 16. Please look back to when you were 16. I know that I was a fucking idiot. And most of us are. Please sit down and have a deep, in-depth conversation with a 16-year-old now. And while 16-year-olds are capable of critical thinking and smart, you know, growing adult thought, they are not equipped to navigate relationships with 30-year-olds. They are just not. 16 is a teenager. It is a child. It is still very young. If my 12-year-old son had a 30-year-old girlfriend in four years' time, I'd box her in her fucking face. But also, maybe I wouldn't, because I wouldn't want to push him into the arms of the predator. And I couldn't call the police because of the age thing. So even though legally my son would be able to, in four years' time, if you met my son, he is a child, to think that in four years' time, people would potentially justify a 30-year-old Having a relationship with him because it's legal for them to have sex is wild. So I'd probably have to do whatever I could to maintain our relationship. And sometimes that might seem like enablement and collusion. In some cases, if you're saying, okay, I'll drop you to the 30-year-old's house. That's not because you're going, hey, I'm going to deliver you to your predator. It's because you're saying, if I can't stop you legally, if there is nothing out there for me to stop you, if I call the police and they won't help me, what can I do to protect my relationship with you? I'm going to drop you to the door so that this person sees that my son has a loving family around him and that you can't fuck about. But what more can I do? and in some cases it is neglect in some cases you have parents who are very much wholeheartedly like yeah go on whatever and in others it is that Sophie's Choice type decision like the decision that I would be in do I continually say to my son stay away from this 30 year old she's dangerous because actually what we know is that that doesn't work in all of my training in working with young people who are being groomed by older people One of the first things they teach you is don't say to that young person, this is an evil predator, get away from them, because that doesn't work. It drives them further into the arms of the abuser because that young person has been groomed. That young person is under brainwashing, under the power of the spell of this older person. It is a very hard battle to fight but you want your kid to keep telling you things you want to create that safe situation so why would a mum let a 16 year old go to a 30 year old's house what could she do to stop her and why aren't we blaming her because it's not her fucking fault And also 16-year-olds just don't know what they're doing. Imagine how worried you'd be if your 16-year-old was hanging out with a 30-year-old. 16-year-olds aren't even deemed capable of voting in a democracy that directly affects their lives. Yet we seem to think they're suddenly mature and wise because the law says that they're old enough to consent to sex. In my view, the law needs to be changed so that it's illegal for over 25s to sleep with anyone under 18. There is a big power imbalance. It is morally wrong. Think about it. It's gross. It's not okay. And we should definitely be judging the 30 year olds who are fucking the 16 year olds, not anyone else in the scenario, not their parents, not the child. Every week, they deep dive into conversations with a variety of experts on some really, really important and eye or ear opening topics like the history of abortion and the science of sleep. Get excited, get curious and listen to Getting Curious wherever you get your podcasts. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke (laughs) girlie? Some peasant Coke? No. Innocent until proven guilty. I'm not making up my mind until there's a fair trial in front of a jury. Why would they only come forward now if it's true? And a real victim would go to the police first, not the media. If your children know that you take the view of innocent until proven guilty, you're showing them that if they come to you, they will not be believed. If your daughter told you that she'd been raped, would you want to wait for a fair trial until you took her side? Not guilty, doesn't mean innocent. Juries are made up of random members of the public. You can literally have people on juries who are fans of the celebrity or the person who is in the dock. You can have misogynists on juries. This is why rape is virtually decriminalised. Only 1.4% of reported rapes ends in a charge. Out of 72, 1000 reported rapes last year only 1500 ended up with convictions and the reason that most of them don't actually get to court is because the crown prosecution service make the decision whether it is likely that it, there is any point of the case going to court if they think a jury is going to go not guilty then they are just not going to bother even taking that to court unless evidence is extremely strong. Now, the problem is that they know that jurors look at good victims and bad victims. They know that if you have a rape victim who has been dragged off the street by a complete stranger and there's CCTV of this, that most juries are going to convict. But what they also know is that if you have a powerful man or really just any man in the dock against a woman who's had some sort of consensual relationship or made a choice to go to his home and then she claims rape, but there's very limited evidence, maybe some bruises, maybe some DNA, but he says, no, she wanted it. They know that that's very hard to get that past a jury because juries are normal lay people. They are the people in these comments. People have no idea what real rape victims would do. You should listen to my podcast with Grace Campbell. We talk about this. The podcast title is Not Guilty Doesn't Mean Innocent. And this whole idea of like, why would they only come forward now, all of these years later, which is being said a lot. And it seems to be kind of suggesting that, well, people only come forward years later if there's some kind of agenda. People only come forward if their alleged abuser is doing really well in life. So they suddenly like, oh, hang on a minute. He's doing really well. I want to fuck that shit up now. He's got a new girlfriend or a wife or a great job. That is just utter nonsense, as well as all the barriers to coming forward straight away. It's very difficult to come forward straight away. But also, it's absolutely ridiculous to think that there would be some kind of agenda around, oh, he's doing really well. I want to take him down now. Of course, of course. If you have suffered as a result of what someone has done to you, and then that person is suddenly elevated to fucking hero status in their workplace or in your community or on YouTube or wherever, how much must you sit there wanting to say this person is frauding people? This person is making their community believe a certain thing about them. And actually, I want to save other people. I want to protect other people. How the fuck can they get away with this for so long? It doesn't mean that there's some kind of... weird shadowy agenda it means that actually you may want to now at this point say your piece so that you can protect other people and so that this person cannot continue to enjoy a life scot-free where you have had to experience one of suffering and when there has been no justice afforded to you It is really not as simple as a real victim would do this, a real victim would behave like that. Real victims behave in all sorts of ways and real abusers come in all sorts of packages. My personal opinion is it's just an attack by the Matrix. He was getting way too close to expose some big people and they had no choice but to shut him down. You sheep believe everything you read in the mainstream media. I think there is corruption in the media. But we also know that you can't say anything. Do you know this podcast has been one of the hardest podcasts I've ever had to record in my entire life? I can't just say things. I have to be very fucking careful. And that is because I'm in the mainstream. I have to be very less careful on my socials. When I'm just being la 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 let me explain on my own Instagram, I can pretty much say what I want like people on YouTube and with their own social media channels. It's when you're in the mainstream, when you are on BBC or Sky or whatever, that you have to be really, really careful because otherwise people can sue you. And yeah, there is A lot of corruption. I am not someone who is sitting here saying the mainstream media always delivers us news that we can really rely on. That is not true. A lot of the mainstream media are client media for the government. They're basically spinning PR on a lot of these channels for government agendas. But when it comes to making allegations about individuals, that's very different. If somebody sent me a DM with a video of a celebrity raping them, I couldn't then go, I've seen this video. I couldn't then go and discuss it on social media. There are regulations on mainstream media that do not exist on socials. On socials, any old twat with a microphone can say anything. And it's very convenient for people who might have news stories coming out about them, like Tate and Trump, to convince their devoted followers that absolutely everything in the mainstream media is false. It means that they look like prophets when their predictable arrest happens. Look, I knew it. I I knew I said they'd arrest me. The shadowy elite figures are trying to shut me down course cool they are, you alleged nonce, because you've done things that they can shut you down for. If you have got allegations being printed about you in the mainstream media, then there is big evidence, Trump, Tate and the rest of you, that there is something that needs to be looked at. The allegations have watertight backing. You cannot just say shit. You know, this whole idea of like, you, you know, because sometimes it's not even mainstream media, they're saying. It's like an attack by the Matrix, these shadowy elite figures who who just want to bring down every, well, seemingly every like powerful misogynist with a microphone like Trump and Tate and all the rest of them. But actually, this Matrix thing is such a fucking stupid idea. Why, first of all, why would we believe that these random men on, on, on YouTube, have all these state secrets. Come off it. Like, these, these, these are mainstream media stars. These are people who created their fan base in a very establishment way through the mainstream media. And now all of a sudden, there's loads of people on socials pretending that they know all these secrets. And therefore, the mainstream are trying to shut them down. But, you know, I just find it so strange that if the mainstream were trying to shut you down, why... Out of all the things that they could falsely pin on a person, why would they choose the one crime that nobody actually believes? Why would you actually choose the one crime that literally bolsters your support among your following? Why not make it so that these men are all like killers of the elderly or dog nappers? Stuff where people would be like, no, you can't harm dogs. Because we know that when it's like women, it's like, but what did she do? What did she do? It's very unlikely that this person who's made loads of videos about uh, their techniques for human trafficking, very unlikely that they'd harm a woman, much more likely that she would lie. Make them dog killers. That's how the Matrix will really achieve their goal. Listen, he's rich and he's famous. He could get any woman he wanted. He wouldn't need to stoop that low. The whole world knew what he was back then. Any woman who went with him knew what she was getting, 100%. This idea that because somebody is rich and famous, they can get anyone they want and therefore would never need to rape anyone is absolutely ridiculous. The Me Too movement, looking into the entertainment industry, really highlights to us how often rich and powerful men take whatever they want even if the other person didn't want it. Rich and famous, powerful men think they are entitled to women's bodies. They can't actually have any. Woman they want, but the idea that they can and the thought that they can often motivates them to just try to take. They know that the world thinks they can have any woman they want, and they know that any allegation about them that will come out will have the world questioning. Surely, surely this big, rich, famous, gorgeous man who millions of women want would not need to rape. But rape isn't about a need for sex, it's about power. Sometimes both. Sometimes it is about a need for sexual release, but often it's about power. So it makes total sense that somebody who is being denied something that they think that they should be entitled to would think that they had the power to just go, no, like that, I want it. This entitlement to women's bodies makes people think that that kind of behavior is just okay. And this idea that it's common for women to cry rape because they regret sex is outrageous. Because in fact, it's not at all common for women to cry rape, even when they've actually been raped. As I said before, rape convictions have fallen to their lowest in four years. And out of nearly 70,000 reports, only 1,500 resulted in conviction in 2022. The Victims Commissioner, Dame Vera Beard, wrote in a report titled The Distressing Truth Is That If You Are Raped In Britain Today Your Chances Of Seeing Justice Are Slim That's the fucking title. She wrote in that report that if you defy the odds and secure a charge you will likely have to wait the best part of three years from reporting before you will get to trial. Along the way, your trial date will almost certainly be fixed and then cancelled and then relisted months into the future. The Joint Thematic Inspection on Rape found that on more than one occasion, this happened just hours before victims were expected in court. You will have lost sleep dreading revisiting what happened at the trial, only to have to get over it and draw your resolve together again. You will be tested at every juncture. And should you persevere to the trial, perhaps more than a year from when the defendant was charged, you are likely to find giving evidence highly re-traumatizing. Some victims tell me they find their experience in court worse than the offense itself. And she says that reporting rape is effectively a lottery and the odds are rarely in your favor. It is so fucking depressing so that this idea that women are just willy-nilly going around reporting false rapes is crazy it is so incredibly hard to get justice on a real rape it is so hard to even get further than just that police report most people who report rapes by people who are known to them get as far as the police report before they are told no further action is going to be taken And less than 0.6% of rape claims are found to be false. And everyone knows this stat, that a man is 230 times more likely to be raped by another man than he is to be falsely accused of rape. And this idea that the whole world knew what he was like back then, and any woman who went back with him knew what she was getting... People often use this narrative about victims. I've seen it in defence of footballers accused of rape. Like, what did they expect going back to his house? What are you saying here? You're saying that you expect famous men to rape women just because they're alone with them? It's illogical. None of it makes sense. People think in such a basic way, without any consideration for, like, the Machiavellian techniques, manipulation, charm, seduction, power, fame, lust being seduced by all of those things is incredibly complex. And they can make you ignore red flags, can make red flags seem desirable. You know, if you are in a situation where you have been groomed and brainwashed and you're in front of this powerful, seductive person who's making you think that all of this is a really good idea can be very easy to end up in those situations. And maybe naive, maybe naive, maybe if we are looking at someone who's been standing up in movies or whatever, telling jokes in comedy, about sexual violence, or maybe if they are a footballer who has been open about their treatment of women, maybe it is a vulnerable move. Maybe you are making yourself more vulnerable and it is naive to ignore the red flags and to go to their house. But that still does not mean you deserve sexual violence. Again, the fault and the blame will always lie with the abuser. I had a lot of messages from people saying things like, after this, I feel like we can't trust anyone. This is so fucking depressing. And you know what? It is. This whole thing is depressing. The reactions and the backlash have been so upsetting. It's 2023 and we have been working so hard on trying to change rape culture myths. On trying to educate the public so that real victims of rape have a much better chance in court of getting justice. So that juries in rape victim trials are not made up of misogynists who are going to go, no way this could have happened, she went to his house. She knew she was going there for rape. You know, we have to be in a situation where all of this changes. And it's very clear from the reaction to the dispatches documentary and the way that people have been talking online that we have got a very, very long way to go. I guess the good thing about this is that it has offered an opportunity to educate and to change people's thinking. I've spent like 42 hours now on Instagram replying to incorrect DMs about this, trying to offer the facts, trying to provide a space where victims see that people do get it, that people do understand the complexities, that people do understand why it takes a long time to report and why people might never report at all. It's been so shit seeing so many people defend it all and provide support for accused abusers. But it's also been really reassuring to see the loud voices of survivors and allies. And it's definitely changed a few people's minds, especially, you know, the stuff about juries and how fallible they are. I've had a lot of messages from people like, actually, that didn't occur to me before. Didn't think at all about the fact that these would just be 12 randoms on a jury who have the power to contribute to a decision that is so important when none of them are experts. What kind of advice can I give you for the final point here to make you leave feeling better? I don't know. I guess the best piece of advice is listen and believe victims and do not get brainwashed by this idea that everything that you see in the mainstream is false. There are some incredible ethical journalists, some incredible people who have really, think about all the investigations over the years that have uncovered stuff that has been really important, you know, within the mainstream media. It is not all bad. please don't begin to take random men with microphones more seriously than journalists who are bound by regulations. I guess the best thing I can do is end on a really shit joke, which is why are cows not misogynistic? Because they lack Tate. they lack Tate. you get it? Anyway, go and have a cup of tea. Look after yourselves. I'm sure we'll still be discussing this on my Insta. So I'll probably post this as a reel or whatever. I don't know. Whatever. Just come and talk to me about it. And talk to your friends about it if you're feeling shit. You know, there are a lot of people who totally get it and who aren't just raging weirdo misogynists. Find your tribe. Stick with them. La la la, let me explain. This has been a Sony Music Entertainment production.